welcome back to the NES experience. Thanks for listening and make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast if you enjoyed this episode. This week we're going to be talking about food and fad diets. We're going to be giving a brief history of just the word diet and how uh, a bunch of them kind of got their start and some of the effects of them. We're also going to be talking about some of the diets I had and then we're going to be getting into a few stories Ned has just regarding diets and some of his athletes. Uh, Before that, we are going to be doing some question and answers uh, to start off this episode. So I will pull up our questions. I got our duck timer all queued up and ready. Ned, you ready for uh, for some Q&A? I am excited and ready. Can you tell? Fantastic. Brimming with excitement. So I'm going to hit our timer. First question is egg yolks or egg whites? Uh, The age old debate. Uh, the answer is and always will be, no matter how many times it flip-flops back and forth, uh, egg yolk, whole eggs. When you look at the egg, the egg white, yes, it has protein in it, but it basically has no nutritional value. Uh, the yolk is what has the healthy fats, omegas, uh, to help speed up recovery time and help with muscle and function and all the other things that omegas help with. So... Uh, I don't care about the calorie component of it. A whole egg is 70 calories and egg white is 15. Um, you just want to go with, with the whole one unless you're the weight gain guy. And then you actually, I have my kids eat uh, only egg yolks. I actually get rid of the whites because it's a more concentrated, higher calorie egg that uh, will help their weight gain. And if you go to... Um, Fancy Spance restaurants, a lot of them make their eggs with only egg yolks. Creamier, flavorful. Yeah, I guess it would be more flavorful. Uh, yeah, I I used to do a lot of egg whites and stuff like that until I met you and you started, you know, you told me that. Well, it was just a lot better. The egg yolk's definitely the best part of the egg too. So uh, next question, moving on. Uh, this one hits a bit close to home. I have lower back pain and was told to do crunches and back extensions. Should I do them? Uh, The answer to that would be absolutely not. Probably the worst thing that you could do if you have lower back pain is crunches or trunk flexion and back extensions, which is going into hyperextension. So the problem usually isn't that the back is, you know, weak or the trunk is weak. It's a combination of a lot of things, including... Uh, a weak transverse abdominis or core, um, hamstrings being tight, quads being tight, um, weakness in the glutes and the hamstrings. So you actually want to work and stretch all the things around the lower back, but you generally don't want to touch the lower back. The lower back pain is the end result of um, a lot of other things. So back extensions will fuel it and make it worse and excessive trunk flexion a little bit is okay, but that and tightness in the upper abdominals is going to uh, pull on the pelvis along with the hip flexors and cause more problems. Got it, duck. I I knew a voodoo doctor who uh, could cure lower back pain just instantly, but, you know, doctor-patient confidentiality can't be given away secrets now. Uh, Last question that we have is I'm doing camps this summer, uh, football camps it looks like, because they have to run 40s. Uh, should they crowd the line to start? Uh, the answer is absolutely not. Um, 
what people do. I don't know why they do it. It's so common now that at the NFL Combine, they build in a line to give you more spacing uh, to be able to set up for your stance. So by crowding the line, you're basically saying, you know, oh, I'm going to get there faster because I'm 10 inches closer. And it doesn't really work that way because crowding the line, especially if you're a super tight guy, it, it it's you want your stance to be, you know, for the most part, pretty comfortable and you want to be able to lengthen the body out well. You know, projection angle and clearing the hips and, you know, being able to get out quick is important. And by crowding the line, it doesn't allow you to do that. So you end up taking more steps to get to where you're trying to go and spending more time on the ground instead of rapidly accelerating and reducing ground contact time and recovering the leg quicker. So, yeah. Yeah, that will do it for our question and answer part of the podcast. Before we get into our our main topic, Ned's going to be talking to us about his cheerleading career. Isn't that right, Ned? Um, so that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about fad diets. Uh, and I guess uh, you got a little tidbit for us about diets. Uh, back in 2013, uh, people were doing a little bit of a weird one. You want to tell us about it? So... When I was preparing for this podcast, I was, I decided to use the wonderful Google and I was like, let me try and find out some information. And then apparently, so I was going over like the history of fad diets and somehow, and believe this 2013, somebody created the cotton ball diet. And basically if you ate five cotton balls, uh, it would suppress your appetite and help you lose weight. So you would think that no one on earth would ever possibly do this. So the reason why it made the internet was because people started eating cotton balls to lose weight. Because what we learned is people will do anything, even eat cotton balls. And I guess it caused uh, intestinal blockage and people actually, there are people that actually died from eating cotton balls. That's a weird thing to eat. Probably doesn't taste that great. No, it doesn't, probably doesn't go down that well. Yeah, I wonder if you you drink it with some water, if it would just like kind of... Well, I'm washing it down with something. I'm not trying to do that straight. So, I mean, you said people died. Did uh, did it work for anybody? Did, they, did it, people find any success? I decided to discontinue my research after I read that somebody actually died doing it. At that point in time, uh, I became a little bit sad inside and had to reroute to other <laughs> other things to occupy my brain gotcha yeah well i mean it kind of i get the diet is just not valid if, if that's happening yeah i guess we can get started by talking about just the history of of diets and the word diet what does it really mean i know you're doing a little bit of research so it came from uh the wonderful greece uh as far as how to pronounce it you would have to find some stra- strapping young Greek god to be able to say it the right way. But dyadica, we'll call it that. That's the hillbilly Indiana version. Um, but basically, when they came up with this, this was basically describing a lifestyle, it, which includes the physical component and the mental component, basically saying, and they're actually right, it's by, depending on what you put into your body, um, putting the right foods in your body can help you perform better and be healthier and and mentally be clearer 
and there's actually a whole bunch of truth to that. Uh, but it wasn't meant to be this term that's used to, you know, lose weight quickly, doing unsustainable diets and gaining all the weight back. That's not what it was supposed to be. And people, as we go along with the history of fad diets, you know, people took it and basically started to spin it and turn it into these various diets. So I, I Googled what was the first documented diet. Um, and it started, I think in like the thirties or the twenties, and it was an anti-diabetic diet, which consisted of wheat germ and okra. Gross. That just sounds disgusting. I don't know what either of those things are, but I don't want to be eating things that are germs. Uh, but they were, I mean, the interesting thing is it is true because wheat germ on the glycemic index of absorption of carbs is, I don't know, like 10 so wheat germ is the actual good, healthy part before it's milled and refined and processed and turns into hot, fast-absorbing sugar. So wheat bran, so when you look at wheat, it's composed of germ and bran. And bran, wheat bran, tasteless, but also very healthy. Those are both the forms of the wheat before they get you know, turned into basically refined carbs, which is enriched wheat flour. And then that flour is fast absorbing and it causes you to get fat. So they started, you know, there. And then I started thinking back, you know, things that my mom did or that that she believed in. And I remember her bringing up the cabbage diet. And I learned that the cabbage diet was originated in the 50s, which makes sense because maybe her mom did the cabbage diet. And the, the cabbage diet was passed on from generation to generation. And I guess I'm the one that decided to stop the madness and not do it. But all I remember is my mom farting all the time and just bitching about borderline shitting her pants. But the why does the let's go over this. Why does the cabbage diet allow you to lose weight? There's no calories in cabbage, basically. So basically, a cabbage is all water. So you're really you're on the water diet, but it's kind of camouflaged as cabbage. And uh, yeah, if you don't eat any calories, you're going to lose weight to some capacity short term. So um, then we got Weight Watchers. So Weight Watchers is still around. I learned that that was, I think, started around the uh, early 70s. Weight Watchers, in the grand scheme of things, actually the concept makes sense. The problem is they value something like a cupcake the same as they value whatever, a bowl of cantaloupe. So they don't really look at quality of foods. They're just looking at total calories. But Weight Watchers started in the 70s, um, still around and kicking. There's things that kind of start and they phase out and then they come back. So fad diets are almost like clothing styles so I'm seeing all the kids now wearing shit that I wore in the 90s and I'm like oh my god why would you even do that 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 looks like shit like oh man it's cool I'm like ooh, I don't know man um so like in the 80s there was you know that became a boom of sugar free so people started the food guide pyramid came out and maybe it came out in the 70s whatever so by the 80s they were like oh no then we learned that you know, the things on the bottom of the pyramid, you know, or the things at the top of the pyramid, used sparingly, that was all the cookies and fun stuff and, and snack cakes and pies. And and then all of a sudden these companies had to pivot and figure out what they were going to do to counterbalance the fact that, 
you know, their food is completely terrible for you. So what do they do? They came out with the sugar-free revolution. Uh, and then they made the sugar free by using a whole bunch of chemicals. And then we learned through more research that the chemicals can, can cause just the amount, the same amount of problems or more than actual sugar. So the sugar was terrible. And then, and then, and then it turned into fat was bad. So everybody started, you know, making fat free and then, you know, it's just, everything gets bounced around. Everybody's just sitting there. It's like they're experimenting and trying to figure it out. And, you know, then with nineties, we got Atkins diet. So then it was, then it went from fat free. Then it went to no carb. Um, Atkins was actually, I thought the Atkins came out in the nineties, but apparently it was around the guy was pitching, you know, his doing a sales pitch in like the seventies. And then I think the boom of like bookstores and things like that allowed, uh, allowed him to bring it back and, you know, market it and, you know, kind of blow that thing up. And then, you know, South beach, um, that's all more the, the concept that carbs are bad. You know, then we got paleo there's something probably skipping 15 years, but paleo now in the past, whatever, 10 years and keto would be the new one now. I mean, what they all have in common is none of it is sustainable. So when you lose weight and gain all the weight back because you're doing something that's not sustainable, your body becomes more resistant to lose weight. So yo-yo dieting, all it does is long-term makes your body physically and metabolically at a disadvantage. And it, it makes you more you know, resistant long term to keep weight off. And then there's a psychological component too, which is how many times you have to lose weight and gain weight before you give up. And then before you know it, you're the thousand pound guy with it on the TV show. So, uh, I thought the, you know, looking at all of it as a whole, it kind of makes sense. Uh, well, it makes no sense, but I could see when you really look at the timetable of what was coming out, it's just people trying to figure out a way, just feed what people want. People want results quick. They don't want to, they don't want to, they just want to get ready for their next prom. It's prom season now or their wedding or whatever. And they'll do whatever it takes, do the least amount of possible, the quickest amount of time they go, they take all of their pictures, pop some filters on cause it's 2022 to make even better. And then go back to what, you know, the things that you've starved yourself from for however long you were on the diet. Pretty crazy shit, honestly. But it is how it goes. Uh, I never really dieted for prom, but I dieted for a lot of other things, uh, for football and stuff like that, just stepping on the scale. It's exactly what you said. You lose it off. The first thing I would do when I would lose weight is I would have a celebration meal. And then you just gain the weight back. The, uh, the no sugar, no carbs, no fat sounds very similar to uh, a lot of stuff I did. Fab diets are kind of right up my alley. Unfortunately, uh, my dad is a bit of a, a crazy person when it comes to food and, and stuff like that. So actually, currently, he's been doing or trying to do the soup diet, kind of like the cabbage diet, where all you do is drink soup. But he would drink soup, you know, two, three days and then go running out to like Dutchess, get, you know, cheeseburgers, hot dogs, stuff like that. And then tell me how, you know, he's been drinking soup for the last three months. But I guess uh, we can go over some of the things that I used to do, pretty much just a little rundown of, uh, of my diet history. 
uh, one of the things actually we first met when, uh, when I was telling you about it, you told me I'd probably get diagnosed with about two or three eating disorders if I went to a doctor and just said all the stuff that I did. So we'll just kind of see how it goes. Uh, third to sixth grade, it's kind of when I had my first dietary restrictions. My grandma used to love bringing me to McDonald's anytime she'd come around. So great time to see grandma, but also I'd go to McDonald's. So I asked for her to come around all the time. So they told me I was only allowed to eat McDonald's twice a month as a third grader. Uh, and also they would give me a slice of pound cake with frosting for breakfast because my mom didn't feel like cooking. So, uh, yeah, what we're going to do is I'll just kind of say the diets and then we'll kind of give him his thoughts. So how was how that diet for a uh, third, fourth grader? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's interesting and inconsistent. So I'll give my stance on McDonald's. I'm not a, I'm not against like my kids at my McDonald's is my kids fucking jam. And if I, I could say you could, you have to do A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. And then at the end of this, you get McDonald's. They, they just will do anything. Um, what we do in our house, it's education. So what you were, you kind of, you had people just dropping in there. So eating McDonald's twice a month, I'm fine with that. Uh, I'm okay with cheat meals. Um, we use it as a, you know, we plan, I plan, I do all the cooking and everything in our house and, you know, we plan that meal where it's like, I'm so fucking tired of cooking for people and this is me. And I'm like, fuck it. Give them McDonald's. Uh, everybody wins. Cause I don't have to cook. You know, there's fast food became huge because of this reason. People got tired of cooking every single motherfucking meal. And then they came out with McDonald's and it changed the game because it gave it gave parents a break. Um, obviously, they designed the food to make it super yummy, and it's generally not healthy. But uh, you know, eating it once in a while—I mean, how often do my kids have McDonald's? Probably about twice a month. Uh, they got to the—I mean, every time I say, "What do you want for dinner?" McDonald's. So th- I mean, that is consistent. So they will say it every day, but giving kids McDonald's, anybody having, you know, this all goes back to this crazy concept called moderation, you know, self-control. What are you getting? How much are you getting? How often are you doing it? Uh, the pound cake thing is the, the big head scratcher. So, you know, pound cake with frosting on it at a young age is really training the brain to, uh, have some problems later on in life. So with our breakfasts, I am a middle ground guy. So yes, will they occasionally have something sweet for breakfast? Yes. But most of the time I'm trying to incorporate, you know, good stuff in there. So that, uh, that sets you up for middle school, which is not good, but go ahead. Problems is probably the one word I would use to describe my dietary history. So seventh grade rolled around my parents decided that I should play football and I had to lose 20 pounds in order to make weight for junior pop Warner because they would weigh uh, I forgot what it was but uh, like 20 pounds or else I was playing midget football like a, a grade above me and my diet entailed for for about four months was protein shakes my dad read a book called the new rules of lifting for abs he bought a bench press so did a little you know little olympic lift things and really a lot of it was just portion control no carbs but the the one thing i was able to have one was pasta because my dad just loved pasta so pasta was you know the only carb i could eat 
and then cheesecake for dessert because he told me that cheesecake was healthy because it was cheese. So that was seventh grade summer. I did eventually make weight by by like half a pound. So uh, you you made your weight because you super restricted yourself of zero carbs. Carbs hold in water. So anything that has to do with carb restriction is to basically lose a ton of water weight. Um, the protein shakes are low cat. So you were calorie restricted. You took pre-workouts and caffeine all the time to give you the energy to do all your nonsense. And, uh, yeah, very common thing. Cut out all carbs. Bread is the worst thing ever. People say that. And, you know, but the problem is the bread is just as bad as the pasta and you still had the pasta. So, I mean, if we're, if I'm going to grade this, with that strategy, I give it about a D. So about right where I, I feel like it should be. My freshman year, going into freshman year of high school into the summer, my dad decided I should probably gain 20 pounds in order to try and, you know, compete at a football level, try and play tight end, get bigger. So he put me on a, he went to GNC. He started getting notorious at GNC, just going there, chat all the people up and, you know, it was just a disaster. We'd leave with everything, so I got a mass gainer, uh, a bunch of protein shakes. I would drink two mass gainers a day. Uh, no bread. Pasta was still okay. And just very, like, large uh, large portions because I was trying to gain weight and run a lot, just working out, lifting, like, Olympic lifts. Started taking NO Explode, doing, like, a lot of power cleans, stuff like that. And I wound up gaining 35 pounds. I got up to 225 my fr- going into freshman year. And it was that there was just no turning back. I never really got below 225 except for one other time. Yeah, I mean, knowing and seeing you consistently, I really don't put you in the weight gain category. So, yeah, you gained a whole bunch of weight really quick. You ate the wrong foods. You weren't doing the right training program that you fueled yourself to gain weight in a situation where you shouldn't have tried to gain any weight out and if you do do it that's got to be super slow mass gainers are generally garbage they're not very absorbable i mean you can't take mass gainers your whole life but basically the minute that those stop uh so does your weight gain i'm not going to grade these i'm just going to let you keep (laughs) keep going but this is this is troubling problems and troubling it's uh yeah, what I always wanted to hear. So my sophomore year, I got a concussion. I uh, wasn't really able to do much, so I did gain a little bit of weight. And I was focusing on basketball, football. It was the only thing I was really playing. And was going to see this jump shot coach. So he had an idea for me to lose weight, and that was the pizza diet, where you eat half a slice of pizza every 90 minutes, and that's it. That's, that's all you did. So I did that for three weeks. I didn't really lose a lot of weight. And then uh, after that, my, my, we had uh, just no more carbs. It was the great carb purge at my house. It was just everything got thrown out. All I really did was eat meat and vegetables. And then whenever my dad wasn't home, I would sneak food and go to the deli and eat all the bread. And yeah, just eat all the bread. Uh, pizza diets typically ineffective for weight loss pizza although i'm fine with anyone eating anything that they want to some capacity at some point in time pizza is actually one of the worst things you can eat because 
Uh, it's super high. I mean, that the pizza crust alone is basically pure sugar. It gets broken down that quick. And the volume of that sugar um, that you take in because nobody eats. Well, I guess you had your half a slice every 90 minutes. But generally, pizza is a train wreck. And there's usually side effects because it messes up your insulin levels for the next 12 to 24 hours. So if you've ever eaten pizza, there's always a high probability that you end up going back and eating more pizza and then you go back and eat more pizza because your blood sugar levels crash after your body processes it all. And then when the, when those levels drop, boom, you start to crave it again and you have it again. And it's just this yo-yo of insulin drops and peaks and it wreaks havoc um, and causes overeating. Other than that, it was a great idea. No, it, uh, it was definitely one of the more enjoyable diets that, that I had, although it was kind of like a slow torture, like Chinese water torture, you know, just a little little slice of pizza and wasn't able to eat the whole slice, just half. Yeah, it, it wasn't fun. None of this was ever fun, so it is what it is. Uh, then after that, I, I transferred to, uh, to KO, and pretty much that was just a lot of working out. You know, I'd work out four or five hours a day. So I'd also have a lot of protein shakes. I'd eat a good amount because I was working out so often. Uh, when I got to KO, they had free lunches. So uh, I'd kind of yo-yo back and forth between 225, 235, 240 when I was playing basketball. Uh, and then my junior, senior year, uh, my coach wanted me to gain 15 pounds. I was 225 then to get up to like 240 so I could run the football. And... I got to my summer college circuit and college coaches freaked out because I was 238. So uh, then I was put on uh, uh, through another high school football coach, put on to a, a protein shake and, and like a, a greeny vegetable mix uh, every three hours with almond milk. And that was it. That's all I could eat. And then for dinner, I could have a large salad and, and meet this portion of the palm of my hand. And that was my diet for the summer of 2012. And it was the worst time of my life. I would get nosebleeds when I worked out and they would give me a bag of chips and be like, this will stop you from being dehydrated. And yeah, I got down to 218 for my last camp. And uh, yeah, I, that, I got back to play football and my head coach was like, Oh my God, like what the fuck happened? Like, you know, you were supposed to be bigger. And then everyone else was like, dude, you look really great. But yeah, I was at a good weight. I could move good. I actually ran a four, uh, four, eight, nine, 40 that year. So I could actually move a little bit. It wasn't terrible, but yeah, I was dead as a person. Then I got Lyme disease and because I got Lyme disease, my parents told me that I had to go vegan. So then I went vegan for six months and I kind of stayed at like 225, went to college and uh, kind of stayed around there, gained up some weight for my sophomore year. Then they told me I had to lose some weight, started just not eating food, ate like, you know, twice a day, was gaining weight, riding the bike four hours a day. Then I met you and you pretty much told me, I just, uh, this is what we're going to do food wise. And it worked out, and I didn't hate eating anymore. It was actually good. I wasn't hungry anymore, just following the stuff that you gave me. I was eating, you know, every three hours, good food, 
And yeah, after that, everything really got, got fixed and solved until I tore my ACL, but that's a, a different thing. Uh, but yeah, got it, got it figured out in the end for a period of time. And it was nice. I mean, that was a 10 to 12 year history to basically set yourself up for complete nutritional failure for the rest of your life. So, but I've told you that before. I don't think I knew all the, these new added bonuses of, of crazy town, but yeah, they took every diet they could think of and they kind of formulated their own game plan and it was a bunch of temporary weight loss with, you know, a whole bunch of weight gain and a whole bunch of unnecessary cardio and a whole bunch of restrictions that got you to hate food and completely hormonally just destroyed your, your metabolism to be able to be a machine, which you should be a machine when you are 18 to 25 years old because you have more hormones than, than anybody. So it's unfortunate and I'm happy I mean, you should really be like 500 pounds based off of all the things that you should never, you should have never been exercised again. And you should have gotten just to the point where, you know, you're stuck in your house. So good job for being able to, you know, navigate. Hey, but the good news is didn't your dad isn't the one that he, he found me kind of. Yeah. It worked out in the end it, before then we had a nice little joke, you know, it was a, uh like the soup Nazi in Steinfeld. He was the food Nazi. It, it wasn't no soup for you. It was just no food for you. We, we weren't eating. So it is what it is. We got through it. Uh, just got to gotta push through sometimes. It, it, you know, happens. It was pretty bad. <laughs> if you're restricted from everything or for most things, it creates a narrow bucket list of foods. So there's a nutritionist I brought her up before, Nancy Clark, and she talks about, you know, when you're looking at weight loss, she's a sports nutritionist, but she handles, you know, the standard population. But if you can, if you try and eat nine foods or seven foods or whatever, 10 foods, varieties of foods in a week, it's unsustainable. You're, you're going to get bored with those. And then you're going to gravitate out and go in excess and eat all the unhealthy stuff. So what a diet should look like, I mean, a lifestyle change or whatever you want to call it would be, you know, have the first thing is having enough options and varieties, whether it's there's people that eat nine different foods. I have like five different cereals and breads that my kids rotate through. So just in, you know, two products, um, their bucket list is already nine and I'm always trying to. I get it. I get tired. I got to the point where I eat eggs for every day for like seven years and then I couldn't eat eggs anymore. And when I was a kid, my mom made pasta two times a week and I, I, I went through a solid seven year clip where I never ate pasta. Um, I ate cottage cheese every morning for like a solid ass four years. And then I had to take five years off of cottage cheese. So you have to start to, you know, I am a gray area eat it's fine if it's a little bit less quality but manageable taste wise with some healthy things in there and finding other things like that to prevent the you know super narrow bucket list but um, that doesn't work super high calorie restriction or low calorie restrictions don't work long term because uh, in the short term they work because 
you're just not eating. So if you just don't eat short term, yes, you'll lose weight. But hormonally, that there's a lot of problems with that. And then long-term sustainability, you can't just never eat because you eventually die. And all of those fad diets typically have that in common. And that's why everybody kind of gets put into that situation. So the answer is don't eat like an asshole. So people say, no, well, what's the NES diet? And it's, I got the don't eat like an asshole from my sister, but it's true. It's, you know, eating varieties of lean proteins and, and everybody, the funny thing is it's like, everybody knows this. They just don't want to hear it from me. Uh, carbohydrates are good. You want to make sure you have the low glycemic, slower absorbing carbohydrates. You don't want to eat a lot of carbs at night. It's not that carbs are bad. You eat them according to when you need to fuel your brain or your body variety of proteins, gray area foods, trying to have, you know, don't eat Lucky Charms, go with, you know, Wheaties um, or oatmeal squares, something with a little bit of flavor and some fiber that's slower absorbing to manage blood sugar levels. This crazy thing called exercise, but you don't need to do more than 30 minutes a day if you do it the right way, not your four-hour marathon bike ride bullshit, which is just insane that you could even sit on one piece of cardio equipment for that long and not have I don't know hemorrhoids some sort I mean losing your fucking mind did you watch tv when you I mean what the hell do you do for four hours so I would just play ps4 just play like you know first person shooters like destiny call of duty and shit just go on there for four hours and we'd be riding a bike shit would go down pedal faster so it uh yeah, it sucked. I got some some bike padded shorts, and uh, yeah, you find ways. I mean, they do like the Tour de France and stuff. So the people ride bikes for for a while, just having a good day riding bikes. Right, but those bikes actually move. Yeah, no, this one, yeah, it it wasn't fun. It sucked, but that that's what would happen. Is and and sometimes I would say, hey, I can. I'd go watch like UFC fights and stuff with dad and his friends and they'd order pizza. I'd have like, you know, 16 slices of pizza and I'd be like, well, uh, fuck it. I'll ride three and a half hours on the bike tomorrow. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't healthy. Like you said, the exchange of cardio for calories is just a sad thing that doesn't work because the amount of time, if you just go by that, that you have, yeah, if you eat a Big Mac, 530 calories i mean one little big mac that i can take out in two and a half minutes you gotta do an hour of cardio that's not a that's that's just not gonna work for me so it's better to generally avoid it um but what goes along with fad diets that we didn't bring up fat burners so it's crazy with all the technology that we have and information at our fingertips you still have people trying to buy fat burning pills and all uh, at the end of the day all a fat burning pill is is caffeine which gives you energy to maybe work out if the person that actually comes up with a fat burner pill that actually burns fat everyone every overweight person in america which i don't know is at least 100 million people they're all going to buy it um everybody the 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 person that creates a fat burning pill that works, that's legal. So ephedra was something that, that came out 10, 15 years ago and that shit really worked. 
uh, and they made it illegal because some asshole took whatever 17 times the dose and died and ruined it for all of us fat people. Um, but they haven't been cotton balls. Right. Um, anybody that, you know, comes out with that, they'll be just as valuable as Apple and Amazon and the whole world might collapse because people just won't be overweight anymore. And then the whole, the whole doctor thing gets blown up because everybody now is ever going to be healthy and it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. There's no fat burner pill. Don't waste the, don't waste time. Waist tremors. All that is, is a girdle. My mom wore those in the seventies. They just renamed it from girdle to waist tremor. And all it does is it's elastic that compresses your stomach. And when you, right when you pull it off, you're skinny. And then within 20 minutes, you're back to where you were. Like it literally, like people are buying weight and I yell at this girl. I think I'm on my seventh time and I'm like, just stop. Just, just, (laughs) this is absurd that you're, that we're talking about this in 2022. Gotta get a waist trimmer. So they, I mean, you don't have to be smart. You don't have to have a, a degree in, in exercise science to know that there's no pill, there's no video, and there's no waist trimmer that's, you know, fix all the problems that you've created through lack of exercise and eating like an asshole. So, yeah, that's really the only way to kind of do it. And that's what, what I learned and what you taught me is you just got to eating every three hours, eating good food, eating it when you're supposed to, you know, I would eat carbs when I had a lift day and I would, you know, stick to like wraps or low carbs when I wasn't lifting or it was just a cardio day and it it worked and it worked slow, but it worked well. And yeah, that's really the only way you can go about it. But do you have any other kind of like athlete diet stories? Eat them when you need them. Yep. That's what you got to do. I do. I have a lot, um, but I'll pick a couple. So I had a kid. He was a college football lineman, and he was 300, and I'll say a solid ass, 320 pounds, and he was trying to get to 280, and we had you know the summer to do it, and he was like, basically he restricted his calories too low. So there's there's a range for everybody. This goes back to severe calorie restriction doesn't work. So what he was doing is he was eating, I, I would say, twelve to 1,300 calories, which is, you know, something that, like, a 100-pound girl would want to eat, uh, take in. And he basically was losing zero weight. So I met him, and I said, good news. I said, I need you to eat an extra 1,000 calories a day, and, and you'll start losing weight. And he's like, well, it's impossible. I'm like, okay, let's go. And we put him to the range where he needed to be. He was basically burying his metabolism and messing up with his hormones and his body was in starvation mode. And it was, it was like, I don't want to die. And it's like, let me just lower the metabolism because we want to keep you at this weight. So by having somebody eat a thousand more calories, he ended up losing, he didn't get to 280 because 12 weeks is not a lot of time but I think he ended up getting to like 290 and he looked great. And he just thought I was the greatest thing ever because I told him to eat a thousand more calories a day. And then he lost 35 pounds. And that was paired with a sound periodized strength and conditioning program. But, uh, you know, the food is a big part of it. So that's one. And then I recently have 
a college baseball player and he's going over like everything that he's doing. I thought I was talking to my mom. He was like, I have, su- have sugar-free ketchup and I have fat-free cheese and fat-free sour cream and I'll mix that and then I'll have a sugar-free cookie. And I'm like, dude, are you stuck in the 80s? Like, And so he was blending fat-free and sugar-free with another guy who's 275 pounds and he was taking in 1,400 calories a day. So... And this was passed on. These are all of these diets. And so everybody has a story. So, you know, for an adult that's listening, look at your, look at your childhood. How were, what was incorporated? Take, and it's a blueprint. We went through your blueprint and, you know, saw what can happen and what happens to the body when you do all this stuff long term. I mean, it, your your blueprint tells your story, and it tells you your setup and and your potential outcome. Um, and for him, it was these fad diets. His parents, I mean, and they were they took all this information, didn't know how to process it, and then put their own spin on it. And then you have kids eating, you know, like they're from 1987 in 2022. So. Um, you know, those are two stories with big guys. Uh, and that's most of the stuff that we're talking about. It's losing weight. So I can't talk about all my weight gain guys right now. I would be talking about you were in the weight loss category, or if, I'm sorry, decrease of body fat percentage category. And generally with all big line men, what the things that they've been told, and it's all similar stuff, super high calorie or super low calorie and no carbs and not sustainable. And with these big guys, when you look at genetic code and body type, you know, we're, and I'm in the big guy category. Also, we are made to store fat. We can get strong. We, we can get big. I can increase lean mass really quick, but my body's ability to metabolize fat just is poo poo. I mean, not terrible, but not, not, not like our super metabolic weight gain guys. So, our, us yo-yo dieting and, <clears throat> and doing all these things incorrectly um, is fueled, you know, with our body type and our genetic makeup. And when you combine those two, I mean, post-football, I always tell these guys they're in their post-football career, especially the linemen, you got to jump on it quick because before you know it, what allows these big guys to sustain and not gain <clears throat> rapid weight outside of age is the fact that you're so mobile. And this is post-exercise career. I'm actually going to be creating a performance group of post-athlete um, athletes to where they, you know, because it's you've been doing it for so long and that you, you can get away with a lot and what you take in because you're so active. And they go from the most active humans alive and, and to, to gen- sedentary. And they're like, I don't even understand. I'm still lifting three days a week. Well, you used to have to lift four, five, six days a week, and you had three-hour practices every day in games where you burn 2,000 calories in a game, and that's all gone now. So your your 60-minute workouts or your 30-minute workouts, you know, you are always – who's watching your workouts now? Because who's forcing you to come in? Like you had a carrot to chase. There was, you know, you had to win the starting job and you had to make weight and you had to gain weight and lose weight and prepare for 40s and camp seasons and not lose your starting job. 
and there's all of these motivations that go along with being, you know, an athlete, a high school athlete or a college athlete. <clears throat> and when that stops, what's your new motivation? The game of life? Yeah. No, it, it is tough. The game of life isn't as fun as, you know, the game of high school and college sports. So that's uh, probably all we got for for this episode of Fad Diets. I think we covered uh, a good amount of stuff. Essentially, it just boils down to don't eat like an asshole. And yeah, don't don't do any of the stuff that I did. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>